Welcome back to VQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth with you. Joining us now is Keith Smith, NBA contributor to Spot Track, Celtics blog, and front office show. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. So, Keith, I think your criticisms of the Celtics throughout this series were justifiable. Are you ready to say you're sorry? <laughs> no, I am not. I think, uh, you know, anytime you do what we do and we react real time to things, you're, you're going to say some stuff that is probably true in the moment. And then you put it on the guys to come back. You know, when game five ended, uh, a lot of people had said, you know, what happens now? And my point was, if you don't get it done in game six and game seven, you have to consider making real change. You can't just run it back with the same group because it just doesn't work that way. When you're the title favorite, you fall short. You have to consider real change. And But I also very clearly, I thought, made the point of, but it's not over. We've been here before. This is where this group was exactly a year ago. And they came through with a big win in, on the road in game six and then a blowout in game seven. And it basically followed that exact same script. Uh, a lot of times after big games like this, we say, what's the biggest reason why? Was it more this side or was it more that side? We we know the positives on the Boston side, and including the changes on defense. And we know all of the negatives that ended up piling up in game seven. Uh, from your perspective, is it more of, of the positive that we saw out of Boston or it was just these specific factors with the Sixers doing Sixer things at the end of a series. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both with, with that. Obviously, you know, Joe Missoula made some changes. Not, it, the big one that jumps out to everybody is Rob Williams, you know, stepping in there and playing well. And then, you know, of course, everybody's favorite adjustment, which is, you know, the, the, the uh, simplest one to say, but the hardest one to do, the play better adjustment, right? They, they simply mm -hmm. played better. And Jason Tatum was absolutely dominant in, you know, the last five quarters of this series. And, and that was a big part of it. But on the Philly side, yeah, Joel Embiid, at this point, you get to this time of the year, there's a belief of, hey, let him do what he wants to do in the first three quarters of a game. He's not going to be there in the fourth quarter. That's something the Celtics have lived on for years now, going back to you know when Brad Stevens was coaching the team and Al Horford's first tenure with the Celtics. It was, yeah, he may have 40 at the end of three quarters, but we're, we know he's going to run out of gas. And and then I I have no explanation for – what happened with James Harden. He played two of the better playoff games I think I've ever seen, you know, in, in two of the games in the series. Then in five games, he was absolutely terrible. So I, I don't know how, how you go from being, you know, the best player on the floor to a guy who you might have been better off with on the bench. But, you know, that, that's just a failure of his that continues to be a theme of his career. So I think a lot of things – they in basketball are often water finding its level and boy did water find its level on both sides in this series yeah there was a point where i even thought about betting on james harden for finals mvp i'm so glad i didn't do that um how do you rate missoula he has taken some criticism now he's getting some praise for the adjustments an interesting matchup now going up against Folstra. How confident are you in Joe Mazzula now and the Celtics team? I mean, obviously Tatum has been spectacular, but just looking at the head coach matchup here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, 
incredible mismatch here. Eric Spolster, for my money, is the best coach in the game right now. And and with a handful of days here to prepare uh, for the Celtics, he's going to have something ready uh, for them that, that, you know, they haven't seen before, whether it's some kind of, you know, uh, gimmicky zone defense that may take Boston a little while to, you know, flow through or some rotation tweak that Spolster may go to that that's going to be different. It's going to be, you know, really, uh, you know, something here. And Spolster's also one of the best of kind of tweaking and adjusting throughout individual games. We, we talk a lot about the game-to-game adjustments, but he is excellent at the all right we came in with this game plan and it's not working so we're going to go to this and then all right that didn't work all right we're on to plan three and he's got his guys ready to go and part of that he is he has such a good solid veteran group of players so that's tough but on the joe missoula side all i'll say quickly on this is this is a lot of the same conversation from a year ago where I said, you know, we don't expect rookie players to figure it all out by the end of their first season and have it all mm-hmm. you know, ready to go. And I said this a year ago with Ime Udoka when there were criticisms of him at this point in the, the same point in the schedule of, you know, yeah, this guy's just never going to get it done. And it was, well, hold on. Let's, you know, give him a chance here. He's still a rookie head coach. And it's the same thing with Missoula, except Missoula is a rookie head coach who took over on the eve of training camp on a staff that was decimated by departures that didn't have you know those spots filled and then he lost his top assistant the only guy with head coaching experience beside him in Damon Sotomayor towards the end of the regular season so I think he's doing okay there's definitely things he can do better and changes he can make and I think he owns those but he's figuring it out but still major advantage to Miami in the next round in that matchup. Well, and Miami also has uh, one Jimmy Butler. And regardless of what you might think his health might be heading into this series, uh, one thing is undeniable that he's going to get a lot of attention. I was looking at uh, Miami's assist network, as one does, and Butler has been a fantastic assist guy as well as being able to score in clutch time. Defensively, what can Boston do to slow him down, if anything? Yeah, I think what you want to do is you've got to vary your looks against him. If you show him the same thing every trip, he's going to figure it out. And then, like, to your point is either he'll score himself or he's very, very happy to find a a, a partner there to either for layups and dunks or kick out to shooters or whatever it may be. So that's something where you've got to vary your looks. I think you're going to see him draw – Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, all throughout the series. The Celtics are going to throw different looks at him. They'll probably trap him some as he comes off pick and rolls. They'll probably play a heavy amount of drop coverage, especially when it's him and Bam Adebayo running in the pick and roll because – we know Bam, if, if the Celtics lose because Bam Adebayo makes a whole bunch of jump shots, they're going to tip their cap and move along. But they, they, what they don't want is those two guys getting deep into the teeth of the defense. And why they'll, why they'll play that is that allows them to stay a little bit better matched up with the Heat shooters and stay locked into those guys. So off-ball defense is going to be massive in this series. You can't lose sight of your man because the Heat will back cut you or they'll relocate for shots and leave you kind of guard a ghost and you've got to be really really careful of that if you're the Celtics. Keith uh, the last couple of games of the uh, Celtics Sixers series total flew under that's going to happen when you hold your opponent to less than 90 points but the majority of the series early on we did see scoring we did see overs hit 
And uh, looking at game number one, the total is about 210. And we know about the defenses uh, with both teams. What are you expecting pace-wise? Do you expect this to be higher scoring or uh, maybe a similar thing where adjustments are made and, and the scoring dips as we move along? It's a really good question because I think what we saw out of both of these teams in the first round, especially Miami against Milwaukee, they were like the Heat hit the playoffs and were like, hey, let's become a running team. That you know, that they, mm-hmm. That's just not who they are. And it worked to great success against the Bucks. So I think what you're likely to see here, though, is these are two teams that are pretty sound defensively. They really kind of know what they want to do on that end. So you're going to see more opportunistic running here where it's, all right, we forced a turnover or you know somebody leaked out. One thing Boston has to be aware of, and they have been a little sloppy with this in the first two rounds of the playoffs, is Kevin Love loves nothing more than to pull down a rebound and fire that two hand out of the pass, you know, 50, 60 feet down the court uh, to a teammate for a layup. So the Celtics have to get back. Um, they also have to make sure that if it's, say, Bam Adebayo contesting a jump shot from Al Horford, that somebody rotates back because the other thing they like to do is let Bam get down there, pin the man, and then they throw it into him for some early, easy offense. On the Boston side, they're going to push when they can. And I think part of why they'll emphasize some pace is let's get it up the floor so we're not playing against whatever, you know, set defense Bolstra has dreamed up that we don't really know how to navigate. Because in transition, you have to just match up man-to-man. So I think they're going to do everything they can to push. But they're both too good defensively to be, you know, very high-scoring series. I think for the most part, we're going to see teams kind of get up and down a little bit, settle in, and most of this game is going to be played in one in the half court. Keith, we've got Lakers at Nuggets tomorrow night. Looking forward to this one. The Lakers five and a half point underdogs in Denver with that altitude. And some of the storylines in this one, AD, is he going to be engaged? What version of him are we going to get? And some people have been saying, you know, what's up with LeBron? Is it just his age? Has he lost a step? But you look at his numbers in that closeout game. He almost got a triple double and played 43 minutes. Is he just getting going? What are you expecting uh, from the Lakers against Jokic and the Nuggets tomorrow night? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good close series. I just I just don't see the Lakers uh, going down without without a fight. If there was to be, uh, you know, one way or another that it was a blowout, I think it would be the Nuggets, you know, winning in, you know, four or five games. But I don't certainly don't expect that to be the way it plays out. So I think what we're going to get out of these two teams is probably some – Again, lower scoring than I think people may expect. I think you know both. Neither one of these teams is going to want to play super fast. I know it looks like if you look at the season-long pace statistics for the Lakers, it looks like they want to play super fast. But a lot of that is heavily influenced when they had Russell Westbrook on the roster, and he, you know, as we know, he can be almost a one-man fast break at times. They've slowed down considerably since they traded him. But I think that a better setup for them, especially in these playoffs. The one thing I worry about with the Lakers is they have had to ask a lot of James and of Davis in a lot of minutes and their, their series haven't, you know, they haven't ended in four and five. Now they've had a you know, few extra days off, but asking that much of those two guys at some point, are they going to run out of gas? And that's, that's the one thing I you know, worry. And I really, really worry if Davis gets into any kind of foul trouble, 
I have no idea where the Lakers are going to go to try and uh, contain Jokic, where I feel a little bit better about the Nuggets throwing a million different perimeter looks against LeBron James. Now, you're going to throw him off. He's LeBron James. There's nothing you can show him. He hasn't seen at this point in his career, but at least, you know, varying the looks doesn't allow him to get overly comfortable uh, seeing the same thing every single trip. He's Keith Smith, NBA analyst here on BetQL Daily. Keith, the other thing, too, about the Lakers without Russell Westbrook is defensively, they are way, way better. Not just slowing down the pace, but you look at, say, opponent-adjusted defensive rating, and I believe they're number one in the NBA since the trade deadline. A lot of that involves Anthony Davis uh, being able to clamp down low, but Jared Vanderbilt has certainly helped the cause as well. Some of the other supporting cast, uh, you know, has also contributed. What is it about the Lakers' defense that could be an advantage going up against Jokic? They're very solid schematically. They know what they want to do. They want to funnel everything to AD, and it's you know basically their their goal is our you know you may beat us off the dribble, but if you do, we're going to try to make sure it's towards Anthony Davis. And and they have played so far against teams where Anthony Davis has been basically given free reign to just float and stay near the basket because they weren't worried at all about guys like Xavier Tillman beating them from the outside. They weren't worried at all about Draymond Green or Kevon Looney uh, taking jump shots. So Davis kind of hung up. Now it's a different game, right? It's Jokic. So if, if the, what's going to be key for the Nuggets is – they have to get some of their playmaking from players that aren't just Nikola Jokic. You're going to have to see Jamal Murray do some stuff off the dribble and have to see um, Aaron Gordon do some stuff you know, with the ball in his hands a little bit here and there. Same thing with Michael Porter Jr. Because what you want to do is get them to send that help with Anthony Davis, which is going to have to come off Nikola Jokic. Then Jokic can get it, and Jokic can either shoot himself, or now he's kind of got you in the cycle, right? He's got you in the blender, and he can get that ball moving and pinging around, and they're going to find open shots. So that's the way you got to attack. But the Lakers are really sound defensively. And they, they the other guys that they play, for the most part, that they're, they're going to, they're asking to, you know, hey, play defense. Yeah, we want you to make your shots when they come your way, but we got James and Davis. They're going to be the bulk of our offense. You guys just lock in, you know, be competitive defensively, and that'll be enough for a winning formula. All right, Keith, predictions, each series, who's going to win them, how many games, and uh, are the Celtics winning the title? They're plus 110. Yeah, I, I so it's been a roller coaster, but I picked the Celtics ahead of the season. I picked them ahead of the playoffs. <laughs> To, uh, I picked them to beat Los Angeles, not this Los Angeles, the other ones who made me look <laughs> like an idiot once again. Um, but I, you know, it's funny. My head says Celtics Nuggets, but my heart says, you know, the Boston kid who grew up on Celtics Lakers is going to get it one more time, tied 17 17 to break the title tie. Um, so I'm going to pick wow. Celtics over Lakers uh, in the final. I think Celtics beat the Heat. I, I, I feel like it could be in five, but because it's the Celtics, it'll probably be in seven because that's just what they do. I think the Lakers will get the Nuggets. If they're going to win that series, they're going to win it in six because they will not win a game seven in Denver. So I think uh, Celtics in, in seven, Lakers in six, and then I'll go, you know, just because I want as much basketball as I can get, Celtics over Lakers in seven in the finals. I love it. I love it. I'm all in. That would be fun, uh, to say the least. Keith Smith, NBA contributor to Spot Track Celtics blog and front office show. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go to BetQL Court, and I know I speak for everyone when I say 
we have a laundry list of people that we want to throw in the slammer right here on the BetQL Network.